I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business, with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. It's all about finding out what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with the founder and CEO of Rent Better, Jeremy Goldschmidt. During the podcast, we chat about the importance of employee autonomy, the impact of COVID and the current economic climate, and how Rent Better is empowering people to manage their own investment properties. So Jeremy Goldschmidt, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So Jeremy, let's, I guess, start at, at the most logical place. What is Rent Better for anyone that's not familiar? Uh, give us your elevator pitch. Absolutely. And we, we hope everyone is familiar with the business. Obviously, we're, we're a growing business, but the idea would be that everybody does know who we are and we become a household name. Uh, Rent Better is a tech platform for landlords who want to manage their property themselves without using an agent so they can access all the ter- tools and services that they need to manage their rental property at a fraction of the cost. Fantastic. And how did the company get started? And I guess on that same note, um, where did the idea originally come from and, and what gap did you sort of identify in the market that you could fill with a platform like this? Well, there were really two things that sort of came together around the same time. Um, in my sort of mid-20s, I bought my first investment property and I was a management consultant at the time. So I was working long hours. I was super busy. Uh, but I sort of read through the management agreement. I met the person that was likely to be the property manager. And I just thought to myself, like, I have worked myself, you know, to, to the bone to, to save up money to pay for this. And it was somebody that I didn't necessarily trust or think was going to deliver good value for me. And I just thought there's got to be a better way to do this. I, I'm going to try and do it myself. And, and so I did a fair bit of research. Uh, and basically figured out how to manage my own property. So I tore up that management agreement. I was saving some money, even though I was working super hard, uh, I was still able to manage my own property. Um, And over time, what I found was that, you know, family, friends, friends of friends were sort of saying, hey, you do this yourself. Uh, How do you do X or how do you do Y? Um, And I ended up writing a bunch of sort of cheat sheets and guides and things that could sort of help people with those common questions. And before I knew it, I found that um, they were going pretty far and wide. So you had cousins of cousins of cousins saying, hey, do you mind if I just give so-and-so your number and they'll give you a buzz and ask you this question? And so it just became very apparent that there was a high level of demand for people wanting to save some money, take control of their investment property, do it themselves. But there wasn't necessarily a platform or a way for them to take advantage and do it. Um, so that the first sort of, if you like, light bulb that went off was that there's interest and there's no platform to meet this need. Um, the second thing that sort of, if you like, maybe just, uh, um, uh, I don't know if it's coincidence or it was just sort of my professional career, uh, I sort of worked in, in strategy and wealth management and, and sort of you look at the financial advice in the insurance space and they're always backed by these giant platforms for superannuation and investment. And really what those, what those platforms do is they provide the sort of back office operations and compliance and scalability and allow large operations to run in a way that's controlled. And as I looked at property, especially self-managed property, that those platforms just don't exist. So as a self-managed landlord, there just isn't a lot of support. So we've basically taken that and put those two things together where I knew there was demand and interest, where I knew there was a need for an for a actual tech platform to solve this problem. 
uh, and we started building. So the business has been going for almost six years now. Um, and, you know, we've built up quite a large and loyal customer base of people who are self-managing, saving money. Um, and, you know, we, lo- we, we love our customers. Our customers fortunately love us. Uh, and we're, we're looking to continue that growth trajectory. Yeah. And I guess if we just strip it back a little bit, what, are, what were the main and what are the main issues that, that investment property owners and, and people that are looking to become landlords face when they decide to go external? And then on the other side of the coin, apart from obviously saving money, what are the other advantages of self-managing? Absolutely. I think there's two parts to it, right? And there's um, there's sort of the tip of the iceberg and then there's the iceberg beneath, which is sort of the big hairy part. But the, the sort of tip of it is people will sort of wake up and say, oh, I need to find a tenant because that's the real driver for how they're going to get their rent, rental income and how they're going to get a return on their investment. But in truth, it's only a very short lived period where you need to find that tenant. And then actually that's where the process begins of managing. So we kind of have two two halves of the house. The first is all the processes and procedures to help you find a tenant in an efficient and cost-effective way. And so that's everything from advertising on the major property sites through to handling inquiries and applications, you know, tenant checks, creating a lease agreement, signing it digitally. And so you're able in a compliant way to acquire that tenant and secure them in your property. Um, And then really the next part is, if you like, the management and the sort of longer tail on it, which is where all the procedures around collecting and tracking your rent, receipting, making sure that if there's any maintenance jobs, they're logged and you've got a way to do it. Um, Similarly with expenses, um, condition reports. So all the different features that come along. Property management is really strongly process driven and it's why it lends itself to a platform um, such as RentBetter because all those processes can be built into a system and a tool. So you've got everything in one place. You can always find uh, all the documents and information that you need and you're able to sort of take advantage of the system and the platform. And ultimately, you know, the thousands of other landlords that are using the system, all all their experience is baked into it so that you can come along and you're not sort of, uh, if you like, fighting the world on your own, but you've actually got a platform behind you. Um, And that's one thing that we, you know, regularly get a lot of positive feedback from customers is that, you know, you can sort of stand on the shoulders of giants and you've got this platform supporting you instead of just feeling like you're taking on the world on your own. Um, So I guess to answer the second part of your question is what are the sort of true benefits that we see people looking for? Um, And look, the first and most obvious, and I think this comes with probably any proposition anywhere in the world for any system or any tool is I want to save money. And, And we think that's sort of a table stakes uh, claim and you know there's sort of two thousand or thereabouts a year is what we see. Um, you know the average customer save if you've got multiple properties or if you look at it over the life of your property, it's pretty substantial and it can help you get to your deposit or your next property much sooner. Um, but we sort of see that that's the base level that people are after. The second most important thing or the, the second item is really around gaining control of your investment. Um, and typically what you'll hear and, you know, if you speak to anyone on the weekend or at a barbecue or family and friends, uh, you'll, you'll typically hear people feel that they're not either getting a lot of value out of their experience with a property manager or there's, there's just always some real estate agent story where people, you know, whether it's in the sale or the rental process, uh, it tends to fall at the sort of bottom of trusted professions for a reason. I think most people have a not so pleasant story with someone and it, you know, there's a million reasons why it may or may not have been a, a fair outcome. But 
Um, what we find is that people ultimately want to want to gain control, have access to information, and be able to communicate directly with their tenant. Um, when there is that direct relationship, and it's you know from the tenant's perspective, they're dealing with the decision maker. From the landlord's perspective, they're dealing with someone who's going to look after their asset. So instead of having a sort of tenant landlord intermediated experience, what we find is people actually have a direct relationship with someone, um, and and that turns into more of a sort of customer and provider experience, which is really positive. So we we often hear again feedback from customers that the demeanour. And the tone of the interaction changes because it's someone who can actually do something about it and has an incentive to keep you happy as the customer. So um, that control aspect is really important. Um, and the final thing that we think, and that's really about the technology and the tools and the service we provide, is just giving everyone a better experience. And I think that's something that's you know not just common to Australians. Globally, people who are renting properties and people who own those properties um, you know, you didn't buy the property for fun. You bought it to get a return on your investment and you're not trying to rent a property because you think that's a fun exercise. You're trying to get a home and live in a home maybe with your family or a partner or by yourself. And so actually there is a way to align incentives and make sure that it is a good and better experience for people without all the things that that sort of people will talk about today. So, um, you know, from our perspective, it's about saving money, it's about gaining control and it's about delivering a better experience. And we think... Um, you know, that's something that, that, you know, piques a lot of interest in, in the market for both landlords and tenants. Yeah, definitely. And just before we go too much more into the business, I want to get um, a bit more on your background as well um, in terms of your career before you started the platform. I find that tends to be a pretty good parameter for some context in in terms of how you ended up founding a company. Um so I see you spent a bit of time in, as you mentioned, digital transformation. You spent some time working at a bank. Um, how did your sort of career map out to the point where you felt confident founding a company? And 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 then I guess the next question when we get to it is, is what were sort of those early stages like and the challenges you faced? Well, I think um, because my background was, was very strongly um, towards management consulting, um, there's always a, a joke that it's sort of like dog years in business where, I, you know, you sort of see a lot of different um, clients and businesses very quickly in management consulting. And so I sort of had the experience of seeing how different businesses operated and ran and the good and the bad. Um, granted, it was sort of multinationals and very big businesses, but at the same time, there was a lot of lessons and learnings in, in what that structure should look like how to sort of set things up for success. So that was certainly extremely helpful to me in the early stages. And I think even just being able to deal with uncertainty and sort of being a generalist around business was was quite positive. Um, but at the same time, and, and, you know, sometimes I've joked over the years that for, for you know, if I look at my, my social uh, network or just family and friends, there's a lot of very successful professionals in whether it's, you know, law, banking, doctors, all, all sorts of traditional professions but very few of them can lend themselves to a career in a startup where actually what you're looking for is a combination of, you know, distribution relationships or digital marketing or being able to set up a customer success function. Um, there's a lot of attributes of a startup business that are quite frankly different to a traditional business model. And, and I actually think that's one of the most exciting and motivating parts about it is that you have this opportunity to create something that you believe is the right way to do it and, because it's either not been done before or it's just just new, um, there is a lot of greenfield space to, to sort of chart your own course. Um, and so for me in the early stages, the ability to, if you like, 
um, deliver value to customers and see the impact that it was having. And, and it was quite simply, we can produce something that people will pay for. That was my very early stage barometer on this thing, which was, I think what we're doing is right. I have a strong belief and a strong conviction that this is the direction the market's going to go in. And then it was really about um, almost doing enough small tests to get past a toe in the water, then get a foot in the water and then jump all the way in to prove out that all these things actually made sense and worked and it was worth pursuing. Um, and I, you know, in some ways time is super helpful because by taking it um, a little bit slowly and making sure that you've got those milestones to prove it out, um, you can get there. And I think, look, maybe the, you know, the benefit of a bit of experience in, in the business world was, was super helpful, but there is, uh, as, as I'm sure you know and others you've spoken to, there is an element of at some point you just got to jump. Um, and that, that is one of the most exciting parts about it. I guess if you reflect back on those early stages, what were the biggest challenges, would you say, would you say, you know, I guess you spoke already about, you know, having to sort of go to people outside your network in terms of, you know, recruitment and that sort of thing. What were the challenges around, you know, getting funding, you know, that that typically tends to be a really hard challenge for people, you know, how would you reflect back on those sorts of things? Well, I, th I think all those things you've touched on in, in different ways at different times are emphasised um, as, as challenges. I think if I, if I reflect back to like the, the very early stages, um, and I think actually it still rings true to today, like a really import, important part of this business and how we operate and where we're going is actually belief in a certain set of, of themes or ideas that, that we believe in as a team we're chasing. And you know, I may have been the one that saw something in the early stages that drove me towards the business, but it's actually about building a team around me that can help to deliver one one person. And in fact, as much as I'd like to say, you know, uh, I'm driving, I'm the driving force behind it. Actually, we have a whole team of people who are awesome in what they do, and we're all driving towards this end objective. So, so for me, I think one thing that's really, really important from start to finish is just that belief that that it's there and it's sort of it's unwavering. Um, and I, you know, for all those challenges, I feel that we can overcome them because we, we start with that belief and we end with, with that belief. Um, I think the second part, and it's again, gone up and down as a bit of a cycle through the pandemic and beyond was finding the right team members and the right staff. And, um, you know, I touched a little bit probably on capability, but to me, there is an equal, if not greater match of sort of willingness and commitment. Um, and I, I often found, and in our team, if you look back, people have been here for quite a few years, but they're people who were sort of equally committed to the cause, um, also had the right set of skills, but were committed to the cause as opposed to being, you know, the 50-year the veteran of that particular role or that expertise. Um, and look, I think just generally as, as a business, um, finding that sort of path to market is really critical. And I think we, again, you know, it's still something we talk about daily, like getting the product right is really the hard work and the heavy lifting. And we, every day, you know, we've got a team of engineers who are who are building and working and, and sort of refining everything that we do. Um, but I think understanding the customer and making sure that what you're delivering meets their need is, it seems so obvious, but being able to find that right customer, explain to them your proposition and explain to them how they're gonna get it um, you know, even though we've been at it for quite a few years, I, I still every day sort of find there's a new insight or a new learning of how to actually perfect that. And I feel like we're, we're on a great journey and a great path, but there'll always be more to doing that um, in a better way. 
Yeah, and when you reflect back on your um, past career experiences, uh, were there any practices culturally or, I guess, business-related um, that you wanted to replicate from from your previous employment? And I guess on the flip side, were there any business or cultural practices, you know, perhaps at some of the larger companies that you wanted to avoid, obviously being a startup? Yeah, look, I'm going to start with the easier one first, which was things to avoid. Um, we And we have got to a different sort of cadence and rhythm in the last probably 12 months rather than the previous few years, but, but actually trying to avoid overkill of meetings and use that time more efficient, efficiently for, for delivering and doing of work. Um, and again, it sounds so simple and obvious, but it's been a big one for us as a business just in how we do things over time. And so really quick, short stand-ups, or being able to always meet over a very specific objective. Um, that's something that I'm just conscious of, and I, I suspect all your listeners and anyone who works in corporate world today will feel the same, that you know, meeting is incredibly important as a communication tool and as a way to do things. And, of course, meeting practices uh, from a sort of level of professionalism are um, mo- in most people's toolkit, but they're also a very big drain on time sometimes. So as a startup, I think there's just a huge emphasis on doing rather than having to sort of sit and plan. Um, and because of that, yeah, I think meetings, we've always been very, very conscious of what percentage of our day is meeting versus doing. Um, and and I, you know, I'd like to think that that continues as a part of our DNA and who we are. Um, I think there's, there's also a, probably a strong level of belief in our team just individually that um, I guess autonomy is probably quite important to us culturally. Um, and, you know, we always, we always have, and there's a few sort of, I guess, values and things that we look at for customers, but, but make it work for the customer is a big part of what we do. And that, that sort of, um, I guess, is, is infectious a little bit because we're not trying to, I guess, um, how do I say, if, if, if a customer comes to a tech platform and asks if we can, you know, help them source milk, well, it's totally irrelevant. It's not something we're going to do and it's not part of our business. But when it comes to things that we do do as a business, if, if there's something they need or there's something that we think it actually helps with product development and we look to find a way to deliver on that. So it's really, it's really important to us that we do do that. Um, so I think those sorts of, yeah, those sorts of parts form our, our if you like, our culture and our DNA. Um, and look, I think other business practices, I guess, you know, as a, as a sort of background, being, being financially literate has been a big part of my career um, path. And I think that that sort of stuck with me a fair bit. I love an Excel spreadsheet. I'll always love an Excel spreadsheet. So forecasting and modeling is, is very much a part of, of what I do and how I operate. So um, look, I think that's stuck with us. And, you know, as we get into more sophisticated systems, there's probably less of that required. Um, but yeah, it's still part of who we are. Yeah. And also, I guess I wanted to ask if you just reflect back on, on the last few years, interested to know in terms of external factors, um, the sorts of things that, you know, the, the parts they played in the business and how it's, how it's impacted. You did mention COVID briefly a little bit earlier. Um, obviously that was something that drove a lot of people in the property space to digital platforms. Just wanted to know what sort of impact that had. And then I guess more recently, um, the economic climate, what sort of impact that has had on, on your business? Yeah, it's, we sort of see um, two little bumps and or waves, if you like. So in the very early March, April 2020 period around COVID, and there's, there's actually some pretty good RBA stats on this as well. Um, there was a few changes with Airbnb bookings and the way that they were going to allow people to cancel because of, of travel plans. 
And we just, there was this huge, huge spike of anyone who was in the short-term market had to turn to long-term platforms. So we were very much the beneficiary of sort of short-term people exiting that market. Um, it took about 12 to 18 months, but we saw it level off a bit where Airbnb started to pick up again. It's obviously a big presence in this market. And so people who are very naturally geared towards short-term rentals over time trailed back to that. So it was a nice bump, but we found that people started to return, but it sort of helped us with a big growth spurt. Um, and then again, over the last 12 months, what we've seen um, is is basically, I think, a trend towards people looking to save money and probably being a bit more thrifty. Um, and, you know, if you look at your um, investment property and you look at your mortgage rate, you know, people will fight tooth and nail for about 50 basis points or half a percent off their, their interest rates. Um, and if you look at the savings we offer, it tends to, on average, map out to be about the same thing. So in actual fact, if you can get your interest rates down by half a percent and you can look at sort of transitioning from a property manager to a self-managed platform, that's sort of a full percentage point off that you can probably find off your your current um, mortgage, which is pretty substantial. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll never know truly whether it's the market or just that we're sort of getting better at what we do that's driving more customers. But um, we're, we're definitely seeing that it's favoring our model. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the sort of converse or the flip side to that is um, I also think that a lot of people are just recognizing that an intermediary or a third party is not always the way to go. And with more of our lives being online and more, you know, um, my wife always says there's a dashboard for everything. And I feel like it's the same thing with property, right? There's, there's just a, now a dashboard and a way to self-manage. And so I think that we represent that and it's therefore become more attractive to people. Yep. Anecdotally, as someone who's been in the rental market for a little while, I can tell you that I'm pretty over property managers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a common theme. Um, yeah, absolutely. And just, I guess, looking forward for you guys, what, what do the next 12 months look like for Rent Better? Um, are there any exciting innovations in the works and, and where would you like to see yourself sort of maybe this time next year? So there's, yeah, there's, look, there's two or three big things that are on, on our roadmap at the moment. Um, the first and uh, sort of m most present for us right now is building out our marketplace with service partners who, um, you know, we really want to look a little bit more like a supermarket for property owners where if you need someone to help with removalists, if you need someone to help with cleaning, if you need someone to do a condition report, if you need someone to show up and do a viewing for you, um, you know, just because you're self-managing doesn't mean you do everything alone. Sometimes you need to book people to help. Um, so bringing that network and that ecosystem play into the platform is super important for us. Um, and we're, we're making pretty good strides towards that and working with partners to get them into the platform. And it gives our customers a lot more choice, which we love. Um, and so that's sort of the next, you know, first half of the next calendar year or the next six months for us. That's a big part of making that more present. Um, and in the second half of the year, uh, and, you know, I'm always conscious of, of sort of getting too excited and getting too sort of bright eyed about new things, but just looking at um, other markets and, and how the Rent Better platform can, uh, if you like, be, be operated in different uh, markets overseas or different geographies. Um, and so we're starting to do a bit of sort of research and planning around that and look at uh, ways to, if you like, take the business to, to a, a bigger addressable market. Um, so those are both super exciting to us, um, and you know we've got a little bit of a, a quiet period over the over the sort of Christmas New Year's break, and the the idea is to sort of um, take take stock of where we're at and, and really get going for next year. 
Yeah, fantastic. And just to my final question, which is, um, you know, the namesake for this podcast, which is what is your silver bullet for business success? And just for some background, you know, it doesn't even have to be a practice that's related to business. Quite often people come on here and say it's going for a run in the morning or it's a philosophy. Um, You know, it could be more than one thing. Um, But I just really want to know, I guess, you know, what you think that you've been working towards and, and kept true to that's allowed you to, you know, get to where you are with the business. There's there's two parts to it, I think. I mean, the first thing is just as a sort of natural behaviour from my perspective is I've always believed, you know, I don't have all the good ideas or the right ideas. And so I just, I talk to a lot of people. And so as much as I can, and I found this in every facet of the business, um, finding experts or people who are really good at what they do. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they've got the right answer, but I've always found that that conversation and being open to others um, in discussion is super help, super helpful. Um, so from my perspective, sort of looking up and out and talking to people is, is one part of it. Um, and that's sort of just a natural stance from my perspective. I, the, the second part, which sort of talks back to, to I guess, a personal um, trait or behaviour and I will say that I'm by no means as good at this as I'd like to, but I've been trying to do um, some regular meditation and just take some time to sort of sit and think and reflect. Um, And again, it's something I'd like to get a lot better at, but I found that to be super useful and super helpful just in, again, sort of um, thinking through things and and sort of being able to prioritise and and clearly identify where, where you need to focus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anyway, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Jeremy Goldschmidt, founder and CEO of Rent Better. Thanks so much for having me.